You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Robin Gansert, and welcome to today's show. Before I begin, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who took the time to listen to our very first show last week. And if you have any questions uh, about an animal welfare topic that's on your mind, please feel free to email me at BeHumaneRadioShow at AmericanHumane.org. Again, that's BeHumaneRadioShow at AmericanHumane.org. And well, today we have two fantastic guests for you. First up, it's the star of Animal Planet, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stilwell, who will stop by to share the importance of training your dog with positive reinforcement. Later on, we'll be joined by our Red Star National Director, Justin Scally, who's going to share some stories and history about our Red Star Animal Emergency Services team. To start off, I want to give you a really a brief overview on what Humane Intervention and Red Star is all about. You know, Red Star Animal Emergency Services is world-renowned, and we've been focusing on rescuing animals in disaster since World War I. Did you know that this year is the centennial of the outbreak of World War I? The war to end all wars pitted many nations against one another. But what was so unique about World War I, it was the last time to feature horses in the cavalry. As many of you animal lovers saw in Steven Spielberg's Oscar-nominated film, War Horse. For years, horses were used in battle because of their strength and their speed. But the Industrial Revolution saw the advent of cars and tanks and airplanes, which completely revolutionized how wars were fought. Still, in World War I, horses were on the front lines of the battlefields. And like their human counterparts, many suffered injuries and died, actually died during battle. The United States Secretary of War came to American Humane Association this pivotal time and asked us to travel to Europe and serve as the Red Cross for Animals. And that is the birth of our legendary Red Star program. So since 1916, we've been on the ground following some of the deadliest and costliest natural and man-made disasters to strike not only this country, but beyond. And we've been there to help shelter and care for animals in times of crisis. Many people might not think of how animals are affected after tornadoes, hurricanes, and floods, but that's exactly what our Red Star team does. We were on the ground in Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina, Florida after Hurricane Andrew, in Joplin after that deadly tornado, and at Ground Zero in New York City after 9-11, where we were there to help care for the search and rescue dogs who sustained injuries walking along the rubble while looking for human survivors. During the last five years alone, we've cared for more than 70,000 animals in times of disaster and crisis. This year, we spent a month in Moore, Oklahoma, after one of the deadliest tornadoes on record ripped through that community. And we actually had noted filmmaker Rick Burns on the ground making a short documentary on that deployment, which I encourage everyone listening in to tune in to AmericanHumane.org to watch that powerful film of our Red Star team in action. 
Red Star is a fully outfitted team with a series of vehicles that really go across the country to dangerous areas to help rescue animals in crisis. Our flagship unit is known as Lucy. She's 82 feet long. She's a rescue rig. She's based in Colorado, but she's been everywhere in times of crisis as long as she's been in operation. What makes Lucy so interesting is that she can house up to 16 people in times of disaster, so our units go in completely self-sustained. In the last few years, we've also brought an onboarded new rescue rigs, regional rescue rigs that are responded to to local crises, animal cruelty cases, and certainly there for natural disasters. And in 2016, we'll be celebrating 100 years of Red Star. And that's a powerful time of rescue and natural disasters, really helping reunite families and bringing hope and compassion. Our nudist truck was unveiled at the closing bell of the New York Stock Exchange as our holiday gift to the animals of the Northeast just uh, this holiday season. It's a gift to the Northeast families one year after Superstorm Sandy ripped through that area. Our Red Star team was on the ground there. We brought in over 100,000 pounds of pet food, cat litter, and other vital medical supplies to pet owners and families and shelters in need. And we're going to talk later on today with the new head of Red Star, Justin Scally. But first, we're going to chat with our great friend, Victoria Stilwell, following this short break. Don't go away. We'll see you in a minute. You're listening to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T. Yes, a simple solution for shedding. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Be Humane. Our first guest today is probably the most well-known dog trainer in the world. You've seen her on Animal Planet, It's Me or the Dog, where her trademark brand of positive reinforcement and dog training has really helped countless people really celebrate the power of a positive human-animal bond. And for the past few years, Victoria has served as our head judge for the American Humane Association Hero Dog Awards. And she also now proudly serves on our new scientific advisory committee for our Humane Hollywood team. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled, Victoria. It's an honor to have the opportunity to work with you on a host of projects and initiatives at American Humane Association. And you bring so much information, so much many tips, really all about positive reinforcement training. I know your brand of dog training is called Positively, which I just love. Please tell me why it's so important to have positive reinforcement when we bring our new animal friends home and bring them into our families. 
Well, I think we're, we're dealing with an incredibly intelligent species who every day we're learning more about the companion animals of ours. And the more we learn, the more we see how important it is to treat them with kindness and respect. Because unfortunately, historically, dog training has been all about force and intimidation. And trainers like myself who don't believe in that, we pick up the pieces from trainers who have worked with dogs in that way. We pick up the pieces every day. And we know that that breaks the human-animal bond, that it causes all kinds of stress and insecurity issues and aggression and can be very dangerous for owners to utilize with their dogs. Modern-day behavioral science and cognitive science has shown us that Mm -hmm. positive reinforcement is indeed the most effective, the safest, and the most humane option to use when teaching our dogs. You know, that's powerful. Kindness, respect, positive reinforcement. You know, this all is just so much common sense. But I don't know how over time dog training methods have become really inhumane. That negative training technique that we see out there so much, it's just, um, it's not conducive to building a positive relationship with our best friends and it's not conducive to celebrating the, really, the power of the human-animal bond, is it? It's not. And, you know, I, I think literally, I think it's ignorant people not willing to learn or people mm-hmm. not willing to say, you know what, I thought one way, but that wasn't right. Now, there are people mm-hmm. that are crossover trainers that have mm-hmm. changed from using more intimidating methods to more positive methods. And they've seen the positive changes that happen when they do. But there right. are many, many people still that refuse to see it or refuse to even think that the methods they're using with their dogs cause fear and force and intimidation and security in their dogs and carry on using them. So I I think it's just ignorance and unwillingness to change. But for those people who have changed or those people who always use positive reinforcement, we know the impact that it has on on people. But because of uh, some other media, you know, the whole idea of, forceful training intimidation has become almost, for want of a better word, sexy in the eyes of the public because certain programming can make it look like it works when in fact the reality is very, very different. And so now this is more than just a moral, ethical issue that we treat our animals with uh, force-free training and with respect and with kindness. It's now an issue of public health and safety because confrontational training methods have proven time and time again to cause and exacerbate aggressive response in dogs. So people who utilize these kind of techniques on their dogs are getting bitten and their children are getting bitten. And that's why the sort of positive movement that is sometimes mm-hmm. called soft by dominant trainers mm-hmm. is actually a movement to say, no, nah, this has got to stop. We're not soft. We just understand. We want people to be safe. We want animals to be safe and we want to improve that human-animal bond. You know, what I I really so value and appreciate is your training methods, you really provide toolkits and toolboxes for folks to help learn and understand. And last year, in 2013, you published a fantastic book, Training Your Dog Positively, and it is a a wonderful resource to help dog owners, pet parents, overcome behavior problems in this positive training reinforcement manner. Your training manuals that you put on the market are just fantastic, and I can't thank 
thank you enough as a pet parent for your willingness to put that out there. It really does make a big difference. Do you have other ideas uh, in terms of the uh, the toolboxes that uh, we can use for pet parents all across the country? I number one recommend yeah. your book. They need to buy your book right away. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There's we're actually redesigning our website, so that um, in about a couple of months we're launching our new website, which will really be the online home of positive reinforcement dog training, which is about 300 pages of how-tos, great videos on uh, what to do, great veterinary advice. There really is a sort of one-stop shop for any dog owner who's wanting to know, have more information about their dog. But also, I also encourage people, you know, if you get a puppy or you get a rescue dog or, you know, anytime, utilize the services of a positive reinforcement trainer. Have somebody either come to your home or take your dog to classes because everybody, all dogs need a good canine education. And really the work that you do at the front end when you Mm -hmm. first get your puppy or you first get your dog can really cause a lifetime of happy dog, a contented dog, one that's secure with few behavioral issues. And if you do have behavioral issues, I think this is sometimes what people think, you know, positive reinforcement, this is is when they stuff food into dogs' mouths. And no, it's actually much, much more than that. It's really getting inside the brain and Mm -hmm. teaching, rehabilitating the dog so that the dog doesn't just behave through suppression. You know, because if you, if you suppress negative behavior enough, you can force the dog into behaving for a certain amount of time. But it actually changes, positive reinforcement actually changes the way the dog feels inside and the way brain works, the way the dog perceives something. So it's a very, very clever set of techniques. And it's the kind of techniques my trainers, if people want to train it, they can go to my website, which is positively.com slash trainers and find a good positive reinforcement trainer in their area because it's very confusing for people. Mm-hmm. Very it confusing. Is. And what, what kind of trainer do I use? Is this trainer going to be humane? What techniques are they going to do? And so if they use one of my Victoria Store Positive Dog Trainers, they know these people are licensed and endorsed by me, and they know that they're going to get the best of the best. And I understand how confusing it is to find somebody that's going to help you with your dog. So those are all the projects that we've got on at the moment. Um, plus, we're bringing a new academy. We're starting academy this year for dog trainers. Uh-huh. So oh, people wonderful. want to learn to become dog trainers. Yeah, we're, we're going to be launching the Victoria Store Dog Training Academy. And also, we are going to be doing lots of different television shows, certainly filming them. I don't know whether they'll be airing until next year. but So there's a lot going on to be able to spread that positively message. Because at the end of the day, that mm-hmm. is what I want to achieve. That's beautiful, and I'm so glad that you have the Academy launched as well to even to spread your methods to more and more trainers across this country. It's going to be fantastic, and I think it's going to make a big difference in communities. And, you know, speaking of making a difference in communities, I just was reading your blog, and you recently published your support for the New York governor's signing a bill to regulate puppy mills in his state. Know that American Humane Association stands with you, and we're pushing for a similar type of legislation in my home state of North Carolina with the governor there. I mean, these puppy mills, we have to put an end to puppy mills. And I just uh, thank you for your courageous leadership. Well, I appreciate that. You know, being an ambassador for the American Humane Association is something that I value highly in my life because of the work that you do for animals and for children all over the country. And, you know, as uh, you know, obviously, Mm -hmm. being the CEO, how emotionally exhausting it can be sometimes when you're trying your hardest to improve the lives of animals and there's so much pushback 
from mm-hmm. government or, or, you know, it's hard. But I think, you know, with the American Humane Association and other trade positive trainers and people who really want to help animals, if we keep on at it, we can make change. And I think it's really important to say that this is not just groups of people that just want to make things happy for animals. This right. is a group of people who, you know, we, we need to have it for our own health and safety too. Mm-hmm. Because the more puppy mills that are out there, the more compromised dogs are being sold to the public. They have poor health. There's a lot of cases of xenopic diseases, diseases spreading from these puppies to humans. A lot right. of these puppies die. And also they are behaviorally compromised. So we've seen a lot of aggression coming from puppy mill dogs, backyard breeders, that kind of thing. So it really is in the public's best interest to get behind these bills, get behind them and support them 100% because it will affect you. And if it doesn't affect you, it will affect your child. That's Um, right. So that's why this is so important. You just brought up, you know, one of our shared loves is for children, and you have a very precious daughter, and I know one of your big advocacy points is for pet parents as they're bringing home a new baby. How do you introduce that baby to their dog? And all of those, you know, introduction techniques are so important so that we can really prevent dog bites. Tell me a little bit about your dog bite prevention campaigns. I know that's been one of your other points of advocacy, and we're right there with you on this as well. How can we prevent dog bites in communities? It really is education. I think it starts way before baby is born, preparing the dog for the arrival of baby, preparing the parents. It's PSAs in hospitals, great Mm -hmm. information that people can get before the baby comes because life gets very different when new baby comes into the house, not just for the people, but for the animals too. So if you can prepare ahead of time, you know, Mm -hmm. you do about 70% of the work. And then I help parents after the babies come home, how to keep the baby safe, how to keep the dog safe, and how to encourage the sort of harmony between dog and baby so both can live in the house together under certain parameters and boundaries, but to keep them safe. Because, you know, I see the very, very best of dogs, and I also see the very, very worst of dogs because I work with people, especially a forensic dog bite investigator who I've investigated quite a few fatalities, especially on infants, and Mm. um, you know where we've been able to go and help the police with their investigations as to why it happened and also evaluate the dogs that did it. You know, I have had my my hands on dogs that have killed people, so I see the whole circle. And so when I talk to people about this is so important, if there is one thing that you do, This is the one thing you do, which is to never, ever, ever leave infant or baby or toddler alone with your dog, however nice your dog is, even for a second. And when dog and baby in the same room have to be active supervision, and it might seem like this is an exhausting thing to do, but really, you don't want to be one of those parents who said, I wish I knew, or I thought my dog would never do this. And that's why I don't want to be dramatic about it, but that's why I do have the credentials to be able to say, I've seen what happens when things go wrong. Don't be one of those people. And Victoria, parents shouldn't think that they're necessarily safe because they have a dog breed in their home that's, you know, not necessarily in the public media as being, you know, aggressive, right? It could happen at any type of situation for any size dog. Isn't that correct? It really can. You know, even mm-hmm. a chihuahua, obviously mm-hmm. there's such bad press about pit bulls and bully breeds, but... You know, I've seen more chihuahuas bite kids and uh, or small dogs bite kids. And a, a well-placed bite from a chihuahua in the face can scar a child for life. And so, so you know, we see dogs of all breed types mm-hmm. biting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is fear, insecurity, maybe jealousy. 
But also, it's because when an infant comes in, sort of squeaky, smelly, like chew toy. And right. so it's not the dog being malicious at all. It's the dog saying, oh, here's a nice toy I can play with. And picks baby up. And because baby is very fragile, bad things happen. So, you know, it's just being smart. I also go into schools and I teach kids how to be canine safe and smart. And that just is recognizing body language, what to do around dogs, what not to do around dogs. Never touch a dog when it's sleeping. Never touch a dog when it's eating. Various things like that that just empower children to be safe around animals. It's wonderful. And, you know, it all is, as you say, about education and about outreach and awareness. And that can really help prevent accidents. I'd like to take a moment and mention to our listeners that nominations are now open for the fourth annual American Humane Association Hero Dog Awards. If you're listening out there and you think your dog should be a hero dog and be in this campaign, please take a moment to visit HeroDogAwards.org to learn more. And Victoria, you have served as our head judge for the Hero Dog Awards because of your unparalleled paralleled expertise. And certainly we have been honored to have you serve in this capacity for the past several years for the Hero Dog Awards. What has it been like for you to be at the show, to see the Hero Dogs in action, and how hard has it been for you to pick a winner? It's the highlight of my year. And, you know, unfortunately, I I can bring my husband and my daughter. It's now been for the last two years. Every story, I mean, you have to take a tissue in with you because every single story makes you cry. The power, that the impact that these dogs have on people and vice versa is just nothing short of amazing. And it really is these stories, I think, just empowering you as a person because there's so much horror going on in the world. This, for once, is an evening where we celebrate what these animals do for us. And so, to judge it, well, I mean, for me, I'd give everyone, everyone would be the hero <laughs> dog. Everybody would win. There'd be, you know, but, but obviously there has to be one winner. And I think the dogs that have all won it have been very, very worthy winners. And of course, early last year, who was um, Pitbull, who goes into schools and helps kids read and just shows kids that Pitbulls aren't all bad, was a very worthy winner last year. So I'm telling you, as a judge, it's hard, but mm-hmm. the evening is the highlight of my year. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I tell you, these stories of compassion and courage and, you know, it's really about the human-animal bond with heroes on both ends of the leash. And uh, we're uh, thrilled to uh, announce that the nominations are now open. And again, we encourage listeners to visit HeroDogAwards.org to learn more about our very special annual celebration of the hero dogs in our lives. Victoria, you have just been a unbelievably powerful advocate for animals, for the human-animal bond, and certainly we're honored to have you as a national ambassador for American Humane Association. Thank you so much for joining us today. And any other upcoming projects you'd like to share? I know your Positively.com website is going to be a powerful tool for all pet parents right now. And we're thrilled to be able to encourage folks to get online and look at that today. What else would you like to share with our listeners? Well, I do have some various television projects coming up, which I can't say yet, but I'm very mm-hmm. excited about them because, again, they focus on that human-animal bond. I think really show the power that dogs have had in our lives throughout the centuries. And so I'm very, very excited to be doing that, you know. But um, really it is, it's more of the same. It's going out there and doing seminars all around the country and in other countries right. as well. I'll be, I'll be doing seminars all over the world. I always say spread the love so that people have first-hand access to great advice. And, I mean, I'll just keep on doing what I do. 
Thank you so much, Victoria Stilwell, for being part of our Be Humane radio show on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back to talk about rescuing animals in the face of danger. Thank you so much, Victoria. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know that's hard to believe. It can it even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Radio. Com. Welcome back to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. This is Robin Gansard, and I thank you for tuning in. As what I was discussing a little earlier, one of American Humane Association's programs is the legendary Red Star Animal Emergency Services Program. Last year, 2013, was a busy one for our first responders, and certainly a very busy one for my next guest who joined the American Humane Association family recently, Justin Scally, our national Director for Red Star. Justin, we welcome you to Be Humane. Thank you for having me. 
I'm thrilled to have you. And as I was saying, it was a particularly busy year for you. And certainly you had to join our team a little earlier than you had planned because we had a really important deployment and response. That was back in the time where our communities in our friends in Oklahoma were hit by the EF5 tornado, causing so much damage and disaster and loss of life. Justin, you know, you are a hero, a hero who goes into disaster scenes and provides life-saving services. And I thank you for your service to communities and communities like Oklahoma. What was it like being thrust into that scene? Your first week on the job at American Humane Association, you deployed immediately to Oklahoma. Tell us a little bit about that response. Certainly. It was, you know, I'll never forget, I was actually getting on a plane to uh, go to a meeting with our uh, partners that we work with on disasters. And as I was getting onto the plane, I happened to glance up at the television screen at the airport terminal, and I saw the tornado heading for Oklahoma City and more Oklahoma, and I thought to myself, this is just horrifying. And so, you know, immediately upon landing, I was receiving word about the massive devastation that had struck the Moore area. And, you know, we knew at that point in time that we had to get there. We had to get there and help this community that uh, had suffered such a tragic, tragic disaster. And, uh, you know, it was a situation where there was many lives that were unfortunately lost and there was animals that were in need and needed rescue. And for me, it was an honor to be able to come on board, start early, and to lead this team through this this massive undertaking, everything from rescue and, and pulling animals from the devastation to sheltering animals and helping to make sure that they got veterinary care to, in the end, helping to reunite pets with their owners who had lost virtually everything, their homes, their lives, their transportation, everything that they had. And we concluded our response by having a wonderful adoption event where tons of animals were placed into new loving homes. And if anything, that response, my first response with the American Humane Association as the head of this legendary program was just fabulous. I mean, it was everything that we could have thought of doing, from rescue and shelter to helping to reunite pets and start new beginnings for new families uh, with pets who had gone through such a, a devastating emergency. You know, Justin, we get to see you and your team in action. We were fortunate that the world-renowned filmmaker Rick Burns and his steeplechase films went to Oklahoma during your deployment, interviewed you and your first responders on the ground. That's some of the most powerful filmmaking that I've ever seen with Red Star in action and the reuniting of animals who were lost in the storm with their pet parents. Some You couldn't help but cry, and I just want to thank Thank you for that. I want to encourage our listeners to to go to AmericanHumane.org to see that 10-minute film on American Humane's Red Star response with Justin in Moore, Oklahoma. But you know, it's just not tornadoes and hurricanes that Red Star responds to. Goodness, I know that, Justin, you also responded to some of the largest scale animal cruelty cases that we've seen, including, I believe it was the second largest dog fighting raid in U.S. history. Talk to us, share with us those stories of about what Red Star did in that dogfighting raid for the care of those animals. Absolutely. The American Humane Association's Red Star program was asked to respond and assist several other agencies with the care of animals that were rescued in what is being called the second largest dogfighting raid in U.S. history. Uh, It was quite a monumental response 
rescuing animals that, uh, you know, had been pulled from situations of complete despair. And, you know, our team went out and was tasked with helping the teams that were on the ground to provide care and enrichment to these animals who knew nothing but brutal, barbaric cruelty. And, you know, our teams were able to go in and help provide these animals with care that they need that they weren't being provided by their previous owners. And in this situation, you know, we went out and we were part of our, our task was to provide enrichment. And why I say that is because, you know, it's everything from, you know, these animals suffering the torture and the situation they dealt with, but helping them through their rehabilitation. You know, it's as much as educating the public about the plight of these animals day-to-day in communities as it is helping these animals recover from the, you know, tragedies that they're surviving each day. And so everything from, you know, showing them the loving, compassionate hand of humans to taking them for walks to getting them used to compassion and kindness, something that they were not used to having. They were um, suffering from, you know, having to fight for their lives, literally. And in this situation, we were able to go and help deliver compassion to them and show them that we are compassionate human beings and Mm -hmm. they don't ever have to suffer through such horrific cruelty ever again. You know, we are in 2014, and I'm still stunned at the number of dogfighting cases that our communities face. The lack of compassion is simply stunning. And Justin, you see this every day, particularly in your role at Red Star. What do you think are the greatest challenges for building a humane community now? You know, that's a great question, Robin. And I think mm-hmm. some of the biggest challenges that we deal with is we have to really build a movement of compassion throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, that we are the nation's voice for the protection of children and animals. And one of the ways that we will create lasting, impactful change in society is by helping to protect the nation's most vulnerable. And it's also educating community and helping the communities at large as well as helping to build compassion. And I think mm-hmm. one of the ways that we do that is through humane education, through advocacy, and working with communities to help educate them about the plight of these animals, about what they suffer from each and every day, and bring it to light and help to educate our youth who are our future mm-hmm. and, you know, build a base that, you know, we have a much more better society as we continue to, uh, you know, roll into the future. That's fantastic, Justin. You know, we all are, with Red Star, closing in on the centennial anniversary, 100 years of having Red Star on the ground in communities, rescuing animals in times of crisis and disaster, such as what you have done in Moore, Oklahoma with your team, certainly what you've done with this dogfighting ring this fall, which was so tragic. And goodness, I know that you're adding to your national fleet of response vehicles. Can you tell us a little bit about the help that's on the way to communities for uh, Red Star? Sure thing. Mm -hmm. It's really a a monumental and exciting time for our program. You know, we have taken the approach that while we respond nationally, we want to help build sustainable change throughout community, just like we talked about. You know, we have to mm-hmm. build change in society. And one of the ways that we're doing that is by taking a regional approach. And that regional approach is by positioning emergency response units that can quickly respond to a natural or man-made disaster throughout the country. And along with those units is also a plethora of experts in the field, 
experts that can go out and work with shelters on a day-to-day basis, help to rescue animals uh, that are affected by natural and man-made disasters, and help with human education and outreach. And by positioning these regional units, it allows us to be there on a day-to-day basis, helping to increase the impact that we have. And it's just a wonderful time to be a part of this organization. And, you know, it's just an honor. And branching out to regions is a fabulous idea. I think that our stakeholders and counterparts within the animal welfare movement are just totally excited about it. And uh, it's a great, great thing. Well, you know, I know that you have an incredible team of Red Star staff members at American Humane, but isn't the core of what you do based on volunteers, people who at a moment's notice leave their families, leave their work to respond with Red Star? Can you tell us a little bit about your volunteer base? Yes, indeed. We have a volunteer base of folks that are totally committed to protecting animals and helping communities in their time of need. I can't say enough about our volunteers. They literally drop everything. They leave their families, they leave their work, and come to help animals and communities that are in the middle of a crisis. You know, they come out and they'll spend a week or more. Sometimes, for example, during our legendary response in Moore, Oklahoma, which was our longest response since Hurricane Katrina, uh, we were there for over a month. And so we relied on our team of fabulous responders to come out and help us. Some of those responders coming out more than once for a week at a time just to help this community and these animals. And these responders come from all walks of life, which really helps to build upon our being able to help communities, folks that are teachers and educators, folks that are animal control directors and officers, firefighters, arson investigators, all walks of life of folks that come out and help communities. And I think that that really built upon our responder base because, you know, they're not all coming from the same level of expertise. They bring their own piece of the pie to our response team. And I just cannot say enough about the work that they do, how they drop everything simply out of pure compassion in their hearts. And I think that they really set an example for all in society about how volunteering and helping a community in need is so vitally essential. And, you know, these volunteers go through special training courses that Red Star and that your team offers so that these first responders that are going into a disaster scene are well-trained. And I know I've, I've been on our trucks and our vehicles. I can tell you that it's like camping. You're going into a disaster scene. You're going to stay on the truck and cook out together. And this group, they do, they go into uh, communities that have been so devastated that we come in with our self-sustaining vehicles and these volunteers are really um, having it rough. You're out there, you're doing all the work during the daytime, and it's uh, it's in tough conditions because these disaster scenes are really tough. If those folks that are listening in, we can tell you that it's very hard to see these communities in, in times of disaster. So our first responders, our Red Star first responders are really heroes. Tell us about our training courses that are offered around the country. How can someone become a Red Star first responder, Justin? How can they join your team? Wonderful. I'd love to have more people all over the country. You know, we want to be able to have folks positioned throughout the country to be able to help communities. You know, they're able to help their own communities uh, through local responses and, and help nationally as well. And, you know, we hold our team in high regard with their professionalism and their training. And so what we do is, is we require folks who want to join our team to attend our basic animal emergency services training. And mm-hmm. those trainings are held throughout the country throughout the year. And it's a two full day training. Uh, 
training. It's an eight-to-five training, and it's everything from sheltering animals, what to expect during a response, uh, basic handling information, and then they also are required to obtain, you know, basic training in incident command systems so that they know the structure. You know, we respond within uh, a specific structure that uh, FEMA and, and other requirements, you know, they have set. So our team is held in high regard throughout the country with their professionalism and you know so we welcome folks to really join us and if they're looking for more information about joining our team we strongly urge them to visit our website at americanhumane.org and look at our red star rescue page and visit our volunteer page and there's more information about the training and they can look at a list of the upcoming trainings and things and we really welcome them to join our team and become a part of the solution in responding to crisis. That's wonderful, Justin. Well, I thank you so much for your leadership, your courage, your vision uh, for uh, how we can all work together to save animals' lives in times of disaster and in crisis. And unfortunately, there are far too many natural disasters happening with, with storms, with weather challenges, and even your team continues the fight against cruelty, abuse, and neglect. And thank you for being on the first lines of the compassion movement well that is all the time listeners we have for today thank you so much for tuning in to be humane with dr robin gansert hope you'll join us next week until then let's always remember to be humane let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com